BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hello listeners, my name is Mark. If you have been enjoying the Listener Lore episodes, please come over to my separate podcast feed, Lorehammer Listener Lore. On this daily podcast channel, I will be reading one story a day and sharing your creative works with others and giving my feedback at the end. So, if you like Grimdark 40k short stories, come join me at Lorehammer Listener Lore, the 40k podcast where you get to write the script. of us today my sweet sweet eric just, just the you two of us. Mm. we can make it Ooh. if we try Ooh. <laughs> let's start a band <laughs> fuck podcasting <laughs> yeah we're starting a band money's all in music these days right so. i don't think that's the saying <laughs> i'm pretty sure that's I... everyone's saying get out of podcasting <laughs> go into music <laughs> well, huh. that's what all the advice to me has been recently <laughs> huh. Uh, anyways, today is a special day. Something close, near and dear to our hearts. Mm. It's when we get to share your awful fan writing. That's, well, whoa, that's, <laughs> hmm. Uh, take number two. Take, take number <laughs> it's two. It's where we get to share your amazing lore. <laughs> yeah, today's a, a listener lore episode, so. Yeah, no, I, I actually generally enjoy most of these. Like, 17% of them I enjoy. yeah. That's not most, but we're working our way up. I'm pretty sure it, when we started, it was closer to like 10, 8, 10%. Yeah, so. once I once I got past the part what I have to read this. Yeah, then. I mean, it's as soon yeah. as you read something, it's instantly 50% less enjoyable. Exactly. You know, it doesn't exactly. matter what you're reading. doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, only one Bob from our Discord. He's like, hey, I want to share my lore with you. Um, I know you hate reading, so I, I recorded it all for you. I'm like, yes, yes. My God. That a boy. <laughs> wow. Uh, 
And so you listen to it? I'm like halfway through. Oh, it's like long? 40 minutes long. Oh, that's long. Yeah. It's nice, though. I'm enjoying sure. it so far. I'm just like building the fence and listening to only one Bob. Like, he have a soothing voice? Uh, It's British, so Ooh. I'll let you could go either way. It's well, not yeah. like Matt British where it's, it's like... Oh, it's not dirty, disgusting, <laughs> no. make me want to stab my ear holes British. No, no. no. It's... Sorry, Matt. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> Listener Lord, number 12. Yeah, Listener so, Lord. The point of this episode is uh, you guys send in your lore and we read it off. Try to keep your lore no longer than 10 minutes. Um, the longer it is, the most more likely I am to just skip over it. Shuffle it aside. I don't actually time it to see, oh, this one's actually <laughs> 9 minutes and 59 seconds. He made the cut. You know, I kind of... Yeah. I, I- yeah, I think we're pretty lenient on it. Oh yeah, for the most there's, there's part. There's only been a couple where I. Yeah, there's ones where, you, where they send us twenty page documents. <laughs> oh and we yeah, say, like as awesome as that is. Yeah, we just wow. you have to give us the SparkNote version. Yeah. at that point, you especially know? when like they're uh, twenty pages, like size five font, single space. <laughs> yeah, single space, no paragraph, and then all of them have like footnotes. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> see link here. And... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, let's uh, step right in then today. Um, I'll, I'll read the first one. Sure. <laughs> it's a Necron one. That's right. Uh, so this is sent in to us by Miriam. The Nihivok, Nihivok dynasty is a young dynasty which came to existence during the beginning of the war in heaven. 60 million years young. <laughs> Carry on. They went to sleep earlier than the other Necron, and only a few survived unharmed and awoke on point. Yet, they are loosened from the command protocols due to an incomplete system reboot, reboot caused by a virus known as the Black Corruption. However, for those unharmed, the Master Program took over and most of the memory engrams could be recovered. The harmed ones are called the Corrupted, Necron which experienced an incomplete awakening due to the code fragments of the ancient virus. This causes malfunctions ranging from an inability to fight up to severely impaired enemy recognition protocols. <laughs> the looseness from the command protocols led to some developments in this dynasty that differ from what is known about Necrons. New leaders are, at any hierarchy level, chosen by qualification. This rule evolved during the chaos that reigned during the awakening of Nihavok's first tomb world. The virus caused severe damage, and it was for one Necron to save the dynasty. He would later be named Serok I. He brought order. The dynasty has another overlord beside him, Kresk. 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 Amongst the four lords, Bastek is the youngest... To claim this rank as a close combat specialist, the aim of the Nihavok dynasty is, just as any other dynasty's aim, to reestablish the Necron's glory, but they also want to cure the black corruption. In contrast to the Silent King, they do not seek revivement or gaining back their souls, but rather an ultimate superiority and perfection of their skills of their race. The completion of this aim includes an integration or assimilation of anything useful that suits their purpose. This led to the development of a new class of fighters, the Necron Stalkers. Uh-huh. With long legs and scythes, they harvest the battlefields like farmers reaping rich harvests after a good season. Hmm. Interesting. Kind of yeah. cool. I kind of like that uh, they have multiple leaders or whatever. Yeah. Got the, a council. The, the more 
odd thing about this is the fact that you can earn your way. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. it sounds like even warriors <laughs> uh, can become lords and overlords in this one, which is different. Yeah. Yeah. The Black Corruption, a severe virus. It's kind of cool. The Master Program took over, recovered as many. It almost sounds like a, a fault. Yeah. You know, the Master Program took over and restored memory engrams. Hmm. That's kind of, you know, obviously you wouldn't want your warriors and immortals to have those. So, yeah, to give those back is kind of cool. It, yeah, just to maybe help the dynasty recover, I guess. Yeah, just, just give it as much autonomy and yeah. freedom as possible. Yeah, since it had no leadership at the beginning or something. So. Yeah, so there's apparently four lords, but only three are listed, right? Yeah. I saw Serok, Kresk, and Bastek. Yeah. Um. I do like yeah, the de- the development of the new fighters, the Necron Stalkers. Yeah. It's going to be great for those big, long, canoptic ones. Sure. Or the Crypto Thralls. Sure. With their scything things. <laughs> you know, the... Even the, the, the Destroyers, you could... Uh... Yeah, the new Scorpec Destroyers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. Long legs, scythes. Yeah, any of them will work. Yeah, it's cool. It sounds um, like they don't like the silent king kind of sounds like that maybe uh, it, it says in contrast to the yeah. silent king um yeah like so i think he, they would be opposed to him yeah i don't think the silent king is actually trying to find a way to bring the necron back into the necron tur sure um or gain back their souls yeah yeah but they could definitely just deny his authority yeah right and and be their own dynasty yeah, I think that's always going to be the biggest question for, for Necron. Necron people is, yeah. yeah. Do you care about the Silent King? Do you follow him Does or your not? dynasty care about the Silent King? Mine? Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. Mm. I'm not, I, I don't think I'm set one way or the other, but I think for now, hmm. no. Ah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, you will suffer uh, the consequences of that. Yeah, no kidding. When I start my Necron <laughs> dynasty that... <laughs> is the silent king's right hand and oh is that specifically hunts down other dynasties that don't abide your dynasty is one of the other triarchs dynasties yes, hidden sir. for 60 million years yeah, 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 only yeah. now emerging yeah 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 and Checks we are out. the best we have the best technology do you know the best time to strike though because that's my dynasty oh god i, I cannot compete <laughs> yeah that's the nihavokes actually they know the best time to strike because they have the the four lords and they're the constantly anyways yeah that's pretty cool um the name Nihavok, yeah. when I hear that or when I see it, it looks like it's half Nihilak and mm. half Novok. Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. are two already existing dynasties uh, for Necron. Yeah. So I wonder if the colors kind of speak to the same mm. thing. Novok is uh, red because yeah. they bathe um, themselves in the blood of their enemies, <laughs> uh-huh. and it, it's the, really the, good like, for soaks. the metal. Yeah, it's just really a really piece. nice moisturizing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the Nihilak is is gold and teal. Teal. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if these colors are represented hmm. on there, or if Miriam just really liked the name. Yeah, just uh, just a coincidence. Who knows? Yeah, it could just be a coincidence. Cool. Like the Black Corruption. I wonder if there is any representation on your models for black corruption like is there a weird are the eyes different or is the onk colored mm. weird to show that there's something corrupting their body or yeah yeah i think that could be cool yeah yeah and then the harmed ones 
the, the actual corrupted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How would you bring that into tabletop? The unabil- inability to fight, I guess you just wouldn't bring those ones into war. It, it's an incomplete awakening i don't know yeah. when it says inability to fight if i were okay so if there was uh, it says from an unability yeah if uh let's say a lich guard yeah uh comes under this black corruption he becomes harmed yeah um what i would do is i would remove his lich guard status relegate re- relegate him down to a warrior yeah hand him a goss flare and say all right like <laughs> you know here you go yeah <laughs> yeah i think i think i would do that could be kind of cool way to do it yeah i'd probably put them in squads of warriors hmm. if i was to yeah if i had to that'd be cool yeah yeah anyways uh thanks for sharing Miriam. nice it was awesome nice quick but we get a good flavor of of your actual dynasty and yeah that's what you want yeah it's nice succinct that's not a word <laughs> That is. I don't know why people keep using it. Google it. It's honestly not a word. S U C C. Anyways, uh, it's a word. Uh, <laughs> it briefly and clearly expressed. That's the definition. Ah, uh, uh, there's only black squirrels in Canada. In Calgary. <laughs> you liar. Uh, so Jeff is up next. So Jeff. Um, this one looks like it's Astra Militarum by the looks of it. Ooh. As much as the Minotaurum demands otherwise, they do make mistakes. Whoa. Hmm. Okay, hold on. Okay. <laughs> that does not sound complete. Our, okay. Do you want me to read the next one while you're sure. taking a look? Okay. Sure. So this is Nikos from the a Forge World titled Cedrinum. And the Forge World symbol is a gear half submerged in waves. And the color scheme is rust red, light blue, and black. And their motto is, By the Omnissiah, tides we rise. So the history. Cedrinum is a forge world known for its bright red rust, rich oceans that span the entire surface. The only regularly occurring landmasses are the small steep tips of massive underwater mountain ranges. In the 31st millennium, would be when the Forge World would join the rest of the Adeptus Mechanicus using its metal-heavy water to test new and dangerous radiation and electrical weapons, as slowly the Forge ship that originally landed there was converted to a massive seafloor to surface 3,000-mile-long traveling vessel called the Azure Kraken. Mm. Then came the Great Heresy, and to keep Cedrinum's notable weapons, forges, and soldiers from interfering, the soon-to-be Dark Mechanicum and Horus began a massive espionage mission that would leave the Azure Kraken from ever moving again, and much of it flooded to this day, as Cedrinum still works to repair their greatest feat. But now, in the 41st millennium, the perpetual motion of the Mechanicus moves them forward. And with the threats to mankind ever increasing, they won't miss a second chance to fight in true glory for the Machine God in defense of the Mechanicus and the Imperium. Our story follows a joint defense mission from a Chaos Space Marine attack of the second Macroclade, the Sofucatus Legions. Here we follow Azernith 12, a Skatari Ranger in the third cohort's first manable, the Pristis Maniple. Hmm. Azernith 12, or Azernith, he still refers as his birth name, 
uh, felt the slow and addicting sensation of fear and anxiety bleeding away from him as he clung near an energy vent of the azure kraken, his outward rust-colored cloak working as camo against its great exterior as the blue inner matched the great vessel of his home forge. The position perfectly calculated to use the currents and shifting of his robe cloak to give him and his Skatari holy warriors nearly perfect camouflage. Is it under the water at this point? Yeah, some of it's been flooded and stuff. So, Right, but they're on the exterior yeah. of the ship. Okay. Yeah, but like ships have are touching the water yes it's like underneath yeah yeah okay yes. they had already <laughs> they had already lost 30 percent of the entire vanguard unit but his holy tech priest rubulus rubulus used like the, rubulus <laughs> used the information gained masterfully as he worked the other tech priests to organize such a grand skatari defense and then the battle precepts began and contemplated thought was dropped into the great abyss of Azurneth faith in the machine god. Mm. <laughs> and the, the great battle precepts began and contemplative thought was dropped into the great abyss of his faith in the machine god. Okay, that makes sense. He could see the world eater, the traitorous and heretical space marines above the boots of their power armor banging against the surface of his home forge. The images fed to him by the massive data network of his home and gifted to him by his masters. And then the order came to attack suppression and distraction fire. Azurinith needed not know why. All he needed was his purpose, and so he followed the will passed to him. In one massive red-blue tide, hundreds of Skatari rangers charged toward the surface, galvanic rifles firing as they surrounded the red-armored world eaters. It mattered not the power armor was too thick for such standard arms. And in great fury, the world eaters charged into the rangers' weapons, into the rangers weapons drawn as they began to rip the lesser beings before them apart chain tooth axes tearing the holy skatari rangers apart like they were mere wisps of polluted smoke oh. and while azurnith would claim desperation could never be felt uh, by his kind in battle that would indeed be the closest feeling to what was happening as his body was crushed under the foot of a heretical space marine and he took a point blank shock at the a point-blank shot at the monstrous being's throat as his consciousness faded. But Azurneth would not die this day. That World Eater Marine would die at that point-blank bullet, taking his damnable head from his shoulders. So Azurneth would be made an infiltrator as a reward, and so he could continue to serve, and with the World Eaters repelled and the attempt to cripple his home forge again stopped, short of its ultimate goal, he would join the fight against Chaos, deployed wherever they sent him, and his holy Skatari siblings to fight next. Cool. I like the description of the Home Forge, like this giant ship that used to be, you know, a technological marvel, but now it's been crippled. Yeah, the it it sounds like they created this massive underwater forge, and I can yeah. just picture how cool that would be. And they used this forge world as a place to test particularly dangerous weapons. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. I, I really like the flavor. Yeah, that uh, Nico offers the yeah. Cedrinum. Yeah, big ship. The is there a Kraken? Yeah, it's 3,000 mile long. <laughs> That's what you need. Traveling vessel. <laughs> Seafloor to surface. Yeah, so it sounds like there's massive, you know, forges or whatever at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. And there's just big, you know, elevators and tunnels <laughs> going all the way from the surface where they have their platforms where presumably they can land ships and, yeah. you know, resupply. And 
Very cool. Um, yeah. yeah, I wonder if... Uh, so in his story, he had like the little bit where they're all underwater. Mm-hmm. I wonder if on the model he has that represented somehow. Like, I'm trying to think the Skatari Rangers. Well, they are rust red. Yeah. So I bet there's a lot of rust covering them. But yeah, I wonder if there's, you know, sea rocks or plants growing or yeah or if maybe like their backpack uh has like thrusters on it so they can move or maneuver oh interesting you know like something that kind of ties into that a little bit sure that they can function underwater and i think because i think he describes that they're mag locked Mm. um to the oh and then they're just walking up and they just yeah walk along the whole thing um i I think he said it Da, 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 da 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 I'd love to see some like little thrusters, so yeah, that'd be pretty some cool. Propeller things, just like little cones, yeah, on the on the backpacks everywhere. Yeah, 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 and they specialize as like uh, underwater fighters or something like that. Yeah, I wonder if there's any, because um, obviously they have the ability to go underwater. Yeah, on on their vessel. I wonder if they have to routinely do it to protect themselves from massive beasts or mm. obviously you have to make repairs and stuff. Sure, sure. But I, I like to think that there's just megalodons <laughs> and leviathans in the water. And krakens. Krakens. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, very cool. That could be very cool to see some conversions like that that really plays and in, ties into like your Forge world. Yeah. Because then it's just that perfect thing like, oh, why do you guys have that? Yeah, like well, why is your backpack so different? Yeah, well, well, because where we come from, you yeah. know, you need it to go underwater. Okay, so that story I was going to read. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts on the one we just read? Uh, No, I, I really liked it. Yeah, it I nice. think I think that it was a nice buildup of the planet itself. Yeah. And then a, a quick little story of him being attacked by world eaters. So, yeah, and then uh, you see a Skatari progress to an infiltrator. Yeah, it's cool. Um, so enjoy, enjoy. <laughs> Hi, my name is Jeff. I'd like to submit a piece for your listener lore segment on your podcast. The IG regiment they created for an only war game I ran for them, the Phrenesian Inhani I Hen I Hair. I inherit Nar. Ugh. Ein, ein Hajar? <laughs> I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's some European word. Uh, and then it goes right into where I started. As much as the Minotaurum demands otherwise, they do make mistakes. I'm going to read it on here. It's bigger. <laughs> <laughs> While most of these errors result in soldiers attempting to kill orcs with an excessive of microbeads or shoot down planes with chain swords, uh-huh, every now and then... <laughs> And again, their blunders result in a benefit, such as the case with the Phrenesian Ihen Ejar, a regiment of Imperial Guard that were created by a woeful, ignorant mistake. Years ago, an adept no- noticed a world near the border of the Segmenta Obscurus that was recorded as never paying a tithe of men or material to the Imperial War effort. He put together a scathing uh, condemnation for the government of that world and sent it off not realizing that that world in question was Fenris. <laughs> ah, oh, world of the Space Wolves, Astartes chapter. That's funny. Unlike most other uh, worlds owned by chapter Space Marines, they cheerfully uh, diffident? diffident Space Wolves are amused by the imprudent demands of the Adepta 
and began assembling soldiers for their tithe, quote-unquote, <laughs> from the warrior tribes of Fenris and the, and the numerous other worlds in their sphere of influence. By the time the Militarium had realized the grave insult and rushed to apologize by way of the adept's execution, <laughs> the Space Wolves had the first companies put together and ready to ship. The warriors of the Ihenjar Ihenir, are a gregarious and fearsome lot, made strong by the warrior traditions of Fenris and the supervision of the Astartes. The cost of outfitting human soldiers is of little consequence to the vast resources of a first founding chapter. And as a consequence, each soldier carries a veritable uh, ransom of powerful war gear. Their commander, Colonel Jarl Morgrund, is a fiery and fierce man, unaccustomed to the nature of large-scale warfare, but utterly dedicated to the cause of the Imperium and the chapter he swears to. The following are rules breakdown of how the Ihenjar were built using the regiment creations of uh, the only war rpg rulebook so homeworld death world mm-hmm. it's fenris yeah commander choleric 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 uh, is that supposed to be like his Pers- attitude yeah 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 his character his humor yeah his humor regimental type line infantry doctrines heavy lancer and diehards that makes checks out yeah drawbacks honor bound specialized or special gear every soldier received the best quality a best quality great weapon with a mono upgrade. Mm. <laughs> it better mean monofilament. Monomolecular. Monomolecular. A bolt gun with two clips of ammunition and a suit of good quality guardsman flak armor. That's kind of cool. I uh, I actually really like that. It's I think yeah. it's a really cool way to integrate a story about a very established yeah. legion or chapter yeah. while not taking anything away from them. Yeah, and it it really works with the space wolves. Like if this happened to like the salamanders, I don't think they would respond the same way, but like space wolves see it and they're like, here you go. Like, yeah. You say like in that moment, you know, they, they viewed it as like a hilarious thing. And uh, it's very, you could definitely see it in space. Exactly. But you also could have seen it the other way where they took it as a grave insult. Sure. sure. Right. So it's just funny that, Oh, they just happened to catch the space wolves at the right time. And they're like, you know what? Here you go. We are going to build a regiment. It has been, you know, we don't do enough. I think that's funny. Very cool. I would like to see like this only being a one-time thing. Like I would feel a little weird if like they continued to make regiments. Yeah. So they kind of make a couple regiments, yeah. and then they send them off. Yeah, it's like, here we go, here's your tithe. Yeah, yeah. You know? it, well, I definitely would more likely see that being the case. They yeah. view it as a joke. You know, they send back a couple regiments yeah, yeah. as a joke. Yeah, yeah. And then they're like, all right, we're done here. Yeah, exactly. You know? Let, let's put these people in our chapter <laughs> instead. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah no, I, Very cool. I, 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 like I, I really like it, actually. I'm usually not a fan of when people write... Um, in established no just right oh oh that was the end of your <laughs> sentence <laughs> no yeah right about something established but i think that's a really good way to do it uh, yeah. that, that was very cool i enjoyed I, that i also like that tiny little tidbit about jarl morgrind a fiery and fierce man but unaccustomed to the nature of large-scale warfare sure like, of course yeah you know tribal warfare is something that exists on yeah. fenris but like large scale would be completely new to these people with like and, technology and like yeah comms radars and stuff like, absolutely finding no... fighting planet scale attacks and yeah. planning how to like a siege like planets and blockade them so yeah that's oh, very cool you just put a little bit of the fact that 
this guy is uh, a, a very small nobody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I like it. Yeah, I I would love to see the models for this because I'm sure they're going to be pretty cool. I wonder if they're painted like Space Wolves. You know, they've got that light blue, hmm. yellow hints of black everywhere. Sure. Yeah, I think I think I would probably think that's how they are. Um, just because the Space Wolves are the ones that actually made them. Yeah. So, and I do like the fact that they um, um, come with bolt guns. Yeah, yeah. I think that's cool. Better bolt guns than las guns. <laughs> yeah, and then they get two clips of ammunition. Yeah. <laughs> and then they dead. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely why you also want a las gun. <laughs> Toss the battery pack in front of a fire. Yeah. And then you're good. Okay, I got this here pulled up. You got what? Um, Are you trying to figure out how to say Einhajar? Yeah. Ein, Einhajar? Inhiriar, Norwegian. Inhiriar. Mm-hmm. Now we know. Norwegian. Now we know. The more you know. <laughs> <laughs> ah, very cool. Yeah. Uh, thank you, uh, Jeff, for sending that. Send us some pictures of the model because I'm genuinely curious how you kind of pulled it off. I wonder if he does have it because it's from Only War. Like this whole regiment was created oh, yeah. from Only War. From, from an RPG that they did. So Yeah. Hmm. If you happen to have a picture or something like that, I'd be curious to yeah. see if they look like... Or you could just tell us whether or not they look like Space Wolves or not. <laughs> <laughs> no, make models, yeah, damn it. Make a Come model, on. paint it, and send it to us. <laughs> not the model, the picture. Um, cool. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, thanks. Okay. Uh, the next one we have is... Matthew. Hmm. Matthew sent in, and he titled it, The Heretic Mutants of Nurian Alpha. Hmm, that's what you want. It, is it? Yeah, you want to have at least two detrimental things to your name. <laughs> what, what, uh, what's yours about uh, your night house? Oh, I thought we were talking about me, and I had it ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nervous now. What's your actual... <laughs> Grumpy and ugly. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah, yeah. The grumpy <sighs> and ugly story of Mark. <laughs> All right. The Heretic Mutants of Nurian Alpha by Matthew. The Crash on Nurian Alpha. In the year M40-999, a lone ship of the Imperium became lost in a warp storm. After days of desperate navigation with their Gellerfield failing, the ship, known as Beeston Grionio... Captained by Bochimius Ventaris, or Bochimius, I don't know, uh, <laughs> Ventaris, crashed on an unknown forest planet, now designated Nurian Alpha, by the Imperium. The planet was home to a Xenos race called the Nurtant, with immense psychic powers, as well as large reptilian-like fauna. The Nurtant had been driven to near extinction by a blight that gnawed at their minds, driving them to insanity. The final few hundred Xenos were held up in a single city. Salvaging what's left of the beast in Grionio, the survivors took up arms against the Xenos scum. <laughs> the resulting conflict was resolved when the machine spirit that inhabited the reactor of the Bestian Grionio... How many times is he going to make me say Gr- Grionio? Uh, a couple more. <laughs> it detonated its home, destroying all but a handful of the Nurtant. Over the next two years, the crew uh, herded the Xenos up until after they were certain that no free aliens were left on the planet, they executed the prisoners. <laughs> Sad. Sad. Uh, the aftermath. 
As the species died, their gods screamed in sorry. Hmm. And as her lack of believers sealed her fate sorrow. in Sorrow. I guarantee. Ah, that makes way more sense. <laughs> okay. Sorrow. Yeah, you're right. Screamed in sorrow. And as her lack of believers sealed her fate in the warp, with her dying breath, the deity made certain that the people who had done this to her would no longer be accepted by their fellow man. The men and women of the Bestian Grionio were subjected to intense psychic trauma, leaving them forever changed. They now hold unique power over the warp that no other human psyker could hope to replicate. The new race. This new Xeno race has the facade of humans, but feel an insatiable need to kill. This new heretic subrace, heretic subrace, most... They, Sorry, sometimes we get stuff and they're not written. Like, Eric's actually a good reader. Like, when he stutters, you know the sentence is <laughs> fucked. When I do to, it, it's me. I'm getting through there. The new her- heretic subrace want to invade and destroy other planets. And how it's written, most therefore invade and destroy other planets. <laughs> nice. The race has the power to manifest physical weapons. Hmm. Each individual manifests a unique weapon seemingly based on their personality. Although each weapon is individually unique in appearance, uh, types of weapons always default to early earth weapons such as swords, axes, bows, and similar. It should be said that projectile weapons created can also manifest projectiles, i.e. a bow comes with arrows, uh, and they have the piercing power of a bolter. Oh. Although more powerful individuals manifest more exotic weapons such as whips or scythes, all weapons appear as green, purple metal that seems sharp. While this underlying ability belongs to the whole race, more powerful individuals can manifest more powerful abilities, such as Fury of the Ancients and Smite. Another feature all members of this subspecies possess is a supernatural speed and strength, as well as resistance to all forms of damage, making a single fighter with no armor equal to a fully armed space marine. Invaders. The heretics use a bluish crystal mined from Nurian Alpha to open a portal through the warp that links directly to another place in the Materium, through which hunters travel to do battle on far-off worlds. It should be noted that they do not settle, only destroy, as they feel the need to do battle. The tactics they favor are carefully planned assaults on strongholds as they take great pride in not only outfighting their enemies, but also outthinking them. Big brain. Big brain. <laughs> This has led them to develop a game in which two equal armies do battle on an 8x8 checked board in which players endeavor to trap the other king. They wear what appears to be light armor made of leather and long flowing cloaks that color depends on the hunting band the individual belongs to. As of now, three hunter brands are commonly recognized, these being Archnik? Archnik or Archnik? Which are Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays 
live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Blood red cloaks, manipole, dark mustard cloaks, and hammer lore. Hmm. Green cloaks. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting way to avoid copyright. Interesting. <laughs> hunter bands are sent through portals opened by the powerful psychers called gatekeepers, who serve the hunts masters, leaders of hunting bands. Weapons used are only what weapons individual hunters can manifest, and hunters are sorted into sections based on what type of weapons they can manifest. So, we have a little bit of hunter organization chart for us here. So general unit description list. Hunters, where standard units wear cloaks and manifest bows, swords, axes, etc. A hunt mancer, no cloak, but sleeveless tunics in band colors with glowing pigment tattoos all over their bodies, can use spells familiar to that of the Imperium and some that manifest effects that do not correspond with powers of any other race. Beast walkers. They ride the fauna known as Skrell lizards and the flying mutermer into battle they wear thick leather armor and capes tend to manifest spear and trident etc as weapons as well as additional crew carrying range weapons both types of fauna are reptilian in appearance with scales that shimmer in a way that makes them hard to target in bright light they are mounted with large flat saddles that either are platformed to allow for additional riders typically in teams of eight or with slings so they may serve as troop transports Huntmasters. Clad in shining scale jewelry, Huntmasters direct their troops over the battlefield and take immense joy in seeing strategic endeavors outsmart their opponents. An Inquisitor stated that, while their method is rudimentary, their results show they have great prowess in strategy and warfare. And he was then executed as a heretic. Ah. <laughs> Specter Titans. Reports of these beings have not been confirmed, but the devastation brought to Nighthouse... Mortimus suggests that they may exist as described. The rumor suggests that these scarred and insane warriors can summon avatars around them uh, of sizes varying from that of Imperial Dreadnoughts to that of an Imperator-class Titan. The phenomenon creates massive semi-translucent creatures with the summoner suspended in the center of their chest or head. Uh, sometimes animalistic in nature, but tending to become more human-like as they get bigger. It should be noted that no reported Spectre Titans appear fully human in shape. Uh, okay. Extract. Oh, sorry. Okay. Extract from a report by a member. I just got a text from James, and I was... Nervous. Yeah. Oh, he's all good, though. But tomorrow... No. Oh. <laughs> uh, extract from a report by a member of the Astra Militarum. 
The heretics clad in yellow uh, cloaks swarmed through these openings to another world. They, look un- they looked unarmed, but still we fired on them. Oh, I see. This is from the perspective of a guard's... Okay, I'm going to read it as if a guard's is writing it. <laughs> the heretics clad in yellow cloaks swarmed through these openings to our Sounds world. Sounds like you're reading it from the guy from 300. <laughs> And yet behind me are 10,000 Spartans. <laughs> um, uh-huh. God saw fit to spare me another. Anyways. <laughs> they looked unarmed, but we still fired upon them. They weathered our shots somehow until the swarm stopped and our arrows and arrows rained down on us from above. They blotted out the sun. <laughs> we did battle in the shade. Man after man fell. As soon as the tide stopped... More soldiers wielding blades and axes leapt onto the wall, cutting down guardsmen as they went. As the Imperial Knight rounded the edge of the cliff, a terrible scream ripped the battlefield in half. A great spectral form grew seemingly out of nowhere. The creature stood taller than the knight and had the form of a man with the legs of a horse. This manifestation killed the knight with its bare hands before charging as at a gallop towards our forces. We were utterly defeated. My company squad survived purely because we became trapped in subterranean tunnels after an earthquake destroyed the base, and were overlooked by the attackers. We stood no chance. These men and women cut us down with no remorse or discrimination. Uh, fighting back. So Planetfall has been tempted on Nurian Alpha three times, but all attempts have failed. The planet lies in Eldar space, and it has proven difficult to reach with any fleet intact. And the one mission that did reach the hunt world was boarded by the heretics and destroyed. Once during a poorly executed raid on the rock, so the Dark Angels, um, well known to be the most powerful space marines. I want to. Uh-huh. I want to just clarify that that's actually written in here. Uh-huh. I'm not. I'm not riffing that. No. 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 So the Dark Angels, well known <laughs> to be the most powerful space marines, mm-hmm. managed, as is written. Yeah. <laughs> They managed to send a kill team onto Nurian Alpha uh, through a gate that was left open. They met great resistance, but managed to kill the hunt's master of Hammerlore, Mark Eric Jordanson. <laughs> ah, this son of a bitch got us. This sparked a crusade against the Dark Angels, in which Hammerlore destroyed great amounts of Primaris ah, Marines. Interesting. It's been a roller coaster. Yeah. He's had me, he's lost me, he had me again. Uh, so, uh, very different. Very different. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so, what are your first thoughts? Because I have a couple of my own, but what are yours, Mark? I like it. Like, I like when people make up their own, not that this is a Xenos, but their own truly unique things. Like, I can see this happening in 40K. Uh, that, that was my big thing, too. I truly uh, saw someone... Like this happening. Yeah. Yeah. The 40K is so varied and this is yeah. so different and unique yeah. that you say it's more than possible that somewhere tucked away in in the galaxy is this one world where it's yeah. just a like, – I feel like these people are just burning off psychic energy. Yeah. Yeah. Is how it's just – it's how I picture it, right? They – a lot of them have tattoos. They're very tribal, it yeah, sounds, like, with the, capes. They don't really and, wear armor. Well, they don't they need don't to. wear clothes yeah. maybe even? Yeah. Like, it, I don't know. Like I – I like the fact, though, that they just manifest these things. Yeah. And, uh, it's 
like the when you're reading it it's kind of not frustrating frustrating is the wrong word but it kind of gives you a little eye twitch when they say oh their arrows are as strong as bolters and i know exactly what they're trying to do i'm assuming that this guy has these or matthew his name is yeah i'm assuming that matthew has an entire army yeah and they're modeled to exactly you know this small diminutive looking humans yeah. not heavily armored probably glowing tattoos on their skin but he plays them as space marines yeah exactly yeah that yeah. and that's definitely the vibe i get is yeah. these ridiculously powerful looking yeah. humans yeah I, I get the image too of just like when you're playing skyrim and you summon weapons and stuff like that's what it's like very like, much so yeah, yeah like spectral so cool. ethereal yeah, looking yeah. weapons i think he described them as like an actual metal but uh, i i see him more um, all weapons appear green slash purple metal. Okay, that seems sharp. Yeah, yeah. So I, they, yeah. They, I mean, in my head, they shimmer. Yeah, and, and they kind of flow, and yeah. you can still look like physical, I guess, and yeah, still yeah. look psychic. So yeah. I like the fact that um, you know, they're not just inherently psychic. Sure, I yeah, like the yeah. Fact that they had to kill a god to do it. <laughs> it was a vengeful god, and she cursed them. And yeah, I like that. Um. So when are we going to step on the the landmine of the one sentence that makes us both roll our eyes? Is it the gr- Dark Angel sentence? Oh, there's a couple. No. What what what's the first one? What's our first one? Um, another feature of all members of the subspecies possess a supernatural speed and strength as well as resistance to all forms of damage, making a single fighter with no armor equal to a fully armored space. Well, marine. that's the only, yeah. Like it's, you it's had how me. they're showing that he's playing them as space marines. I know. It just it it reads so awful. So there's only a million space marines in the galaxy. This population probably has a more than more than that. Probably has a population of more than a million people. This planet is now better than the Imperium. Well, it was a a lone ship of the Imperium. Yeah. And you think there's more than a million people on this ship? I don't know. People breed. What yeah, that ship- that's that's the difference. Is that space marines can't just read more they need technology to create more but let's say who knows if their children yeah fall under the same curse or something but let's say let's say let's lowball there's even a thousand of them okay now as powerful as a space marine chapter now they can just go wipe out space marine chapters if they want i mean wipe out space marine chapters seems like you're coming on a little spectral titans I don't I okay that was a another thing that got me. I like to think that the spectral titans don't manifest unless they have to. Sure. I kind of viewed yeah, it more Yeah, and they're more, probably super rare. Uh, yeah, I kind of viewed yeah. it more as if when the threat was there, hmm. they would rise to the occasion and hmm. that power would manifest because sure. I do think it's a little much if every battle that you and I go to, you're just manifesting sure. as an Imperator Titan. Sure, sure. And I agree on that one. That, yeah. That's a little... I, I don't know. That that line just struck me the long the wrong way. It's just, it's too powerful, especially since there's no downside. Maybe if he said, like, at the end of the battle, like... They um, die. Like, they sacrifice or, yeah, or themselves. Yeah, or even half of them or something like that due to channeling so much raw psychic energy. Like, lots of them will die even after the battle just from the side effect. Just something. But as it stands, it's like, okay, these can just plow through Space Marine chapters. They can mm. just... Because I guarantee they have a population of more than a 1,000. Yeah. Right? It, I think if you're not going to limit the population and say it's a tiny group of people, like a tiny, tiny tribe yeah. of like a hundred people type thing, then I would say that there has to be a very high mortality rate in them. That's be something. Yeah. I do like the idea though, that, um, 
So let's say they're fighting, they see a knight, yeah. and one of them, you know, does like a special drink or oh, whatever, sure, sure, sure. manifest this massive knight, but yeah. in the end he knows he's going to die because yeah. his body just can't handle, you know, the, the psychic strain that's about to be yeah. on him. I, I definitely like that. I think um, something that's really cool but I think is missing a little bit mm-hmm. is some form of uh, shamanistic culture hmm. to this. Okay. So they're cursed by a god. Yeah. And they destroyed a, an entire civilization and they're presumably <laughs> living in the ruins of this civilization. You know, sure. Would they not come to, um, and they're, they are heretics. Yeah. At this point, you know, would they not come to, uh, either worship or curse this god at some point, either thank it for its gift or curse for the fact that it cursed them. And, um, you know, psychic things, a lot of people, I think, go for the much more science-y look at the warp, hmm. but I don't think that's the norm. I think sure. a lot more people put, uh, a, like a lot of the Imperium puts much more stock into a more shamanistic sure, view sure. of the warp. Uh, so I think you could put that really well in here, especially yeah, yeah. because they manifest, you know, swords, axes, bows, things we associate with yeah, yeah. much more early on stuff. primitive so. type yeah, of stuff. Yeah, primitive. That's yeah. the right word. Sure. But yeah. I, I could really see, like, a really strong shaman culture yeah. here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it just ties into the whole sacrifice yourself to manifest this beast or sure. maybe four of you have to sacrifice themselves to create this beast or whatever. So. Yeah. Yeah. I love the concept. I think it's sweet. Yeah, the concept is very cool. I love that they um, use a crystal to teleport. They yeah. have to mine it, and then I'm assuming they just whip it on the ground, it breaks, <laughs> and they open a portal. Yeah. And- yeah, like there's a lot of cool stuff. It's just there's, there's no downside. It just seems so powerful. Yeah. So, but, yeah, um, I liked it. I really did. I would love to see these models. Yeah, I want to know exactly definitely. what models you're using to <laughs> exactly. claim are the same as Space Marines. <laughs> it's <laughs> and, a bold claim. And yeah. Hammer Lore, one of their um, <laughs> hunter groups. Mark Eric Jordanson. Ah, oh, Mark Eric Jordanson. <laughs> that Mark. poor man. Well, killed by dark angels of all people. God damn it. All their That's s- impossible. All their secrets. The Hunt's Masters are supposed to be better than angels. That's right. Why didn't he just manifest a titan? (laughs) You know? Uh, Cool. Uh, No, sorry sorry for the criticism. Um, I do generally (laughs) really like the concept of it. I think it's very cool. It's very different, very cool, and I can see it happening in some far-off corner. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, Sam. Think we're ready? Anything else about... uh... Uh, No, my throat needs a break. Okay. Sam, the Abyssal Krakens. In late M38, Victor Anumius, the fifth company champion of the Ultramarines, who had long shown great leadership and prowess in the field, was assigned the task leading an expeditionary force comprised of a handful of Marines and Imperial Guard to map and eradicate an infiltrating Xenos force. The reward of which would be that Anumius, Anumius, would then take command of the Space Marine Force and establish a chapter to then patrol and protect the unmapped region. To accomplish this, Anumis uh, selected his force from the 5th Company. Those selected were chosen for their depth skill in Void Warfare and versatility in combat. Using their skills in Void void Warfare, the expeditionary force was taken even further from a crag, chasing the Xenos force through the eastern fringe. 
It was there, deep in the eastern fringe, that Anumis forced uh, for, Anumis's force suffered heavy losses. With supplies stretched thin and resources low from continued combat, the Xeno struck back, forcing the expeditionary to withdraw to a lone planet. In the expedition's withdrawal, Anumis sent several calls for aid and reinforcements to McCraig. However, aid never came, sowing the seeds of rage and revenge. Oh, oh no. With aid never arriving, the expeditionaries uh, suffered catastrophic losses, but not without taking a great toll on the Xeno's fleet. With both fleets crippled, Anumis took the battle to the surface of the lore of the lone planet that the expedition was left stranded upon. From there, Anubis led a fast-paced guerrilla warfare against the Xenos, used small forces to quickly over to move quickly over the jagged landscape and around the vast seas, ultimately ending in the expedition's victory, but Anubis did not survive. Sad. Sad. In M39, McCraig, never having heard from the expeditionary... Uh, thought the force a total loss where unknown to Anumis and his forces a localized turbulent warp storm classified as the Siren's Gale that's a cool name had halted all communication from the system but as fate would have it a rogue trader finding a soul planet began picking up anomalous distress signals upon the rogue traders landing on the world discovered a colonel aged a colonial age, sorry. A colonial age human population ruled by gods. The rogue trader was shocked to find these gods were the sole surviving eight ultramarines of the of a numinous ex- expeditionary force, now old and grizzled. Uh, with the eight returning to McCraig under the impression that they were left to die a slow... Uh, and Sorry. That they were left to die showed a rage against the ultramarines that could not be snuffed out. But the force was successful, and so the remaining eight were given to the given the right to establish a chapter as was promised. As well, the Ultramarines began the detailed and practical chapter that they are that they are had built a small monastery on the Craig. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it's worded. Uh, upon the expeditionary force's departure to begin selecting and training aspirants, so that upon completion, a numerous would already have a base and force to command as the new chapter master. Huh. I thought he died. They He did, but they made this monastery immediately after the expeditionary force had left. Ah. So the intention was for him to come back. Ah. But he did die. Ah. So I see, I see. This worked out well for the eight. They took their aspirants and returned back to the graves of their brothers. The sole planet of their isolation now classified, being classified as Maluskia. Maluskua. On Maluskia, the eight built a new chapter fortress, boring out an enormous deep column known as the Well of Porpheus. None of these are... It's a made-up word. It's tough. <laughs> That's not ideal. Ah! <laughs> a lone island in, uh, through a lone island into the deep bedrock providing access to Fort Lixus, built upon the seafloor. Protected by miles of seawater and bedrock as well as creatures that the chapter takes its name, uh, Abyssal Krakens. The eight established the Abyssal Krakens on the uh, qualities and lessons learned from fighting on the planet and shown by Victor Anumius. The Abyssal Krakens, under the founding leadership of the eight, refused to comply to the Codex standards for the chapter 
out of their own disgust of the Ultramarines, forever in belief that the Ultramarines abandoned them to die, choosing instead to fight in smaller pods of 20 to 40 Marines instead of companies. Additionally, the Abyssal Krakens have no chapter master. They instead choose a council of five captains, with each captain being in command of several pods of Marines that are then chosen how they are comprised, how to command, and how, when, and where to deploy as they see fit. Hopefully in the perfect scenarios. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, sir. <laughs> then regarding matters of larger compa- campaigns, and chapter needs the five captains vote to discuss the best may proof. The best, the best way. Ma- yeah. yeah. <laughs> to proceed. With these smaller pods, the Abyssal Kraken specialize in light infantry tactics, allowing them to maneuver quickly and operate independently either on the fringes of offensive, in harsher rugged landscapes, or constricting urban war zones uh, that deny the use of vehicles. With the Abyssal Kraken's preferred combat style, they have found a great use of Vanguard Primaris units as they have become available, along with the Kraken's preferred light infantry, infantry tactics. Due to the vast oceans that comprise Molluscia. The aspirants of Molluscia have an innate skill for navigation that translate well into their abilities to understand and excel in void, war- in void warfare. Although the Krakens have a deep distrust toward Ultramarines, and as much as the Kraken try to diverge from the Ultramarines, their heritage and connected- connection cannot be ignored. As the chapter grows, the Kraken still lean on McCraig for certain necessary supplies. <laughs> <laughs> ah, rich kid who hates their parents but goes to them for a car every month. Gotcha. <laughs> Which many of the marine weapons and armor still display the Ultima icon. But the Krakens do not hold the Ultima sacred. Instead, they are to face it by striking it into the marine-specific pod markers, striking into it the marine-specific pod markers as a subtle yet blatant act towards the ultramarine, ultramarines. Uh-huh. Upon the opening of the Great Rift, the warp storm, the siren scale, has grown well, resulting in travel to and from Maluska to become ever more difficult and dangerous. Where the safest route through the Panifkas system is now even threatened. From out of the Siren Scale, a slanish war band known as the Melody Macabre. Macabre? Macabre. Yeah. Macabre. Why is there an R in there? That's correct. <laughs> hmm, pursues open war, to which the Kraken will not allow. As the 42nd millennium comes to about, the Abyssal Krakens spread forth from Maluska across the Imperium under the command of Captain Hannibal Mago. Uh, these are the names of the original five captains. Captain Hannibal, Captain Mago, Captain uh, Hasbadurel, Captain Hamakal, Hamilcar, and Baraka. To wage war, the Melika... I gotta get this. To wage war on the Melody Macabre and all the foes of the Imperium. Well, Mark just took a phone call. We're going to take a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back. And we're back. Yeah, Sorry about that. Wow. So that was the story. Um, very cool. Um, what did I like about it? I like... So it's the story of the 
small group of people sent to go eradicate some Xenos, but it took longer than expected. They thought they all were abandoned by the Ultramarines and grew to hate the Ultramarines. (laughs) But still rely upon them. Yeah. Created their own (laughs) chapter eventually, the Abyssal Krakens. I I like the way he describes his... uh his chapter monastery it's just like deep under the ocean so you don't need void shields when you have miles of ocean up on yeah, top and of you. rock bedrock yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's just this massive tunnel going descending down into the planet and yeah yeah i think that's pretty cool too um yeah their whole relationship with the ultramarine is very interesting too yeah i like uh, the fact that I, I feel i feel that the ultramarines obviously know yeah. that these abyssal krakens hate them yeah it's too obvious you know especially in yeah. the fact that they deface <laughs> the i the icon yeah um but i feel that the ultramarines view it as such they're honor bound duty bound to provide for these abyssal krakens and they're duty bound to protect them yeah because yeah maybe there's even a little bit of guilt there like yeah absolutely we didn't need to abandon you yeah like here take what you need like we understand yeah. and yeah. i, I kind of like that it, of all of the chapters i definitely see ultramarines sure like withholding that um pretty well i mean there's obviously a couple others but i i definitely yeah. could see the yeah, Ultramarines usually Ultramarines feeling. have a very, like, strong connection to their successors. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So even if the successor, you know, doesn't like them, the Ultramarines themselves can still feel, you know, like they're doing the right thing. Yeah. So I like that. Cool. The one thing that I, I noted, um, what was, whatever happened with the eight? So they're still alive. I'm assuming they... But they don't lead the chapter, because now the chapter is led by five, five. captains. Yeah. I, I, well, are That's, the eight still alive? Do they ever, does he ever put a time frame on? I thought they were still alive in uh, M thirty nine. So okay, in M in late M thirty eight is when they started. Oof. So that would have been when okay, the, they were there. So and, they're dead then. Yeah, because now it's M forty one. Yeah, you know, so they're most likely dead. Yeah, but um, I'm hmm. assuming. You know, that those are the, the spiritual fathers of the chapter because they yeah. are the ones that ended up founding it. And then Victor Anumius yeah. is obviously the actual, like, hero of the chapter yeah, or whatever, even though none of them other than the eight would have ever met him. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I like that you call them their pods. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a cool way to do. Uh, 20 to 40 Marines, no companies. So just a bunch of different pods. I wonder if that uh, is based off something. Because pods are usually like whales and stuff. Yeah, whales, Do dolphins. krakens have Do krakens have pods? Well, pods based of... on everything I know about krakens uh-huh. as a real creature. Uh, do they have pods of 20 to 40? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't know. I like the pods, though. I like that they're very, it, like, that's very different from Codex compliant, right? Yeah. So, and no chapter master? Yeah. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah. It, yeah, it's cool. They're all kind of very independent. Mm-hmm. They prefer light infantry attacks. That's kind of cool. Um, kind of, they kind of avoid heavy vehicles. It looks like, you know, I don't know. That does. It's just I don't really get the yeah. Like they they specifically fight uh, on urban zones that deny the use of vehicles. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's cool. There's a couple cool, a uh, couple cool names in there. Sirens Gale. Mm-hmm. That's um, very cool. I like the fact that it's a Slaneshi warband. Yeah. It's that, not 
world eaters sure. or you know the emperor's children it's just like a a rabble of demons and cultists and yeah, yeah. maybe there are some space marines in there who knows yeah but it's just you're definitely more likely to just incorporate or to meet a war band yeah than you are to meet you know the black legion itself <laughs> so i like that i like that the you're not trying to get too crazy but you know you can still put massive greater demons of slanesh in your story if you need to yeah right so. I wonder if one of his friends plays, and this is like his friend's war the, band. The Melody Macabre? Yeah. Yeah, very possible. Hmm. Um, I do like your names, Hannibal, Mago, Hasdrubal, Hamilcar, and Barca. I wonder if you actually have models he of better. all of those guys. He's fucking better. <laughs> with with nameplates. Uh, I think it would be really cool. If you do have that, you should share it on our Discord. Um, actually, for all these people, I think it's pretty common that we say, oh, I want to see how you you know put that from your story into the model yeah and our discord is definitely the best place for that yeah yeah for sure and then add us because otherwise i'll never see it yeah, there's a mil- so many messages i can't keep on top yeah. of everything if it's not added to me but yeah post, post your models for us add us so we can take a look and you know we can all chat about your story and and what was great about it so yeah. um yeah thanks for sharing everyone um hmm which one did i really like today oh boy I'm not playing this game with you mark i'm allowed to pick favorite favorites um i really liked uh the space wolf one okay and and as much flack as i give it i really like the one where they manifest weapons the heretic mutants of yeah alpha yeah honestly this one's kind of tough i think a lot of them are very solid yeah oh like, yeah they're all solid for yeah sure. there's it's there's very little in here that i think is inconceivable like sometimes you just get stories that you're just like well you have a cool idea, but you yeah. lack bones. <laughs> but I think in this one, a lot of them are very what I like too good is foundations. Yeah, they're good foundations. They're all short. You don't need fifty pages to write solid lore to give your lore across. Like you should be able to write stuff with a page of stuff. Absolutely. Not so. saying not saying that you know it's bad to write those no, things. No. But if it if it's just fluff, yeah. not fluff as in what we normally like fluff as in lore, but if it's just fluff as in extra things that aren't necessary, yeah, sometimes yeah. it can be a little much. Yeah. For sure. I can get that. Uh, I When I was selecting the stories, um, there's one orc story where it was like 15 pages written as orcish. I'm just like, <laughs> who? We just need Dylan who? in here to read that. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyways... Um, Thanks for sharing. If you have your own story you want to, us to read, like I said, the shorter the better. Keep it for sure under 10 minutes. Um, just email us at uh, lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com and we'll add it to the list. Um, we we try to read everyone unless it's just too long or it's like that orc one where it's just like, what do you do? Yeah, but normally we'll, we'll get back to you and say, hey, <laughs> yeah. you know, cut it down, exactly. edit this a little bit. So uh, yeah. something I think might really help people yeah what so i don't know if they know what fiverr is oh sure yeah yeah but you can submit your stories to fiverr yeah and people will edit them for you for very low prices sure and they can like sometimes we struggle reading and we do our best but it kind of takes away i think from us uh, maybe understanding or being in the moment and it's probably even harder for listeners because they don't have the papers in front of them yeah yeah but i I don't know i think that's totally worth it that should be a rule yeah not a rule but i I think an unwritten rule (laughs) and an unenforced rule yeah (laughs) you know if if you have a friend that wants to help you edit stuff like that's totally cool but if you kind of lack that support 
I would definitely take a look at Fiverr and, yeah. and see if someone can help you run through your story and make it a little more cohesive as a thing. And it, yeah. it also would be nice to just have a polished story or thing of your own army. Yeah, And then sure. I think it's really cool. You know, you bind it. You have that physical copy. Mm. It's just something about, you know, showing up to play with that and yeah. someone asking about, hey, what are those little things on your uh, Skitari backpacks? Yeah. And you pull out this document that has you know well here's my army's backstory yeah. and it's you know it's nicely edited and stuff yeah so. i i wrote up like my imperial knight history and then i i'm almost positive is woody i could be wrong and if i'm wrong sorry um but he ended up like buying a bunch of like crinkle paper and then printed out my whole lore on this crinkle paper so it looks like yeah this official like paper for my yeah imperial no, knight it, lore. It, it, it's it, just as cool it looks like, used yeah, and old yeah. and yeah, it's like that classic, you know, uh, crinkle your paper up, dip it in tea, <laughs> yeah, exactly. burn the edges yeah. of it that all of us did yeah. in, you know, third, fifth grade. Oh, that. Mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, but yeah, I think you could really add some polish yeah, to Fiverr. your stories. Go yeah. to Fiverr, get it done. And I think that you guys should be just as proud of these stories uh, to the point of where you want that nicely uh, yeah. finished product. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's worth it for you guys too. And it's cheap. It's cheap. You can do it. Yeah, yeah. For five bucks, maybe even ten. Yeah. Because it's not always five, right? You, no, no, no. It de- it de- you can negotiate with the people uh, that are on there. But I yeah. think it could be worth it. For sure. Uh, anyways. Cool uh, pro um, tip. Yeah, a little pro tip. Pro tip. Life hack. <laughs> yeah. A- anything else you no, want? No, no, no. Well, uh, I think that's it for this episode uh, or this listener lore. Yeah. Yeah, So uh, thank you guys for submitting and thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks, guys.